Hello and welcome to the Stable Reports podcast. Stable Report is a new site dedicated to curating the best resources related to stablecoin projects. We celebrate the development of stablecoins and see them as a stepping stone to mainstream adoption of cryptocurrencies for daily use and transactions. If you'd like to get acquainted with what stablecoins are, visit our website or follow us on Twitter at Stable Report and let us know what you think. As always, if you see we're missing something, please contact us. For this week's podcast, we have the pleasure of interviewing Tori Rice, VP of Corporate Development at Trust Token. Trust Token is an asset tokenization platform which recently raised $20 million in a strategic token sale with the support of major VCs such as Andreessen Horowitz and Black Tower Capital. Their first product is a stablecoin, TrueUSD, which already is among the top 100 coins by market cap. Tori, it's a pleasure to meet you. Great to meet you too. Thanks for having me. Um, so the first question at Stable Report is always, what got you into cryptocurrencies and specifically stablecoins? Yeah, sure. So uh, I first got into cryptocurrencies back in 2012 um, through a friend of mine. And uh, I didn't really get very interested until 2013 when I was thinking about buying a Bitcoin ATM. I didn't end up going through with it. Um, but uh, the fascination was definitely there, and uh, it only grew over time since I was interested in, in financial technology. Um, as far as stablecoins specifically, uh, you know, that was never my direct interest. My interest is more in the concept of uh, tying real-world assets to distributed ledgers uh, or to blockchains, uh, and so that, that's really my, that was my personal thesis of where I saw the most value being created. Um, by, by blockchains and the implications in finance. And why do you think Trust Token's first product um, was a stablecoin? What's the purpose of that? Yeah, definitely. So we have a, a part of our whole theory is that we need to bring the, the most trusted and well understood and therefore simplest assets to the blockchain first. Uh, and these are the assets that require the least explanation. So, you know, currencies, I don't need to explain to you what the US dollar is. It doesn't matter where you're from in the world, you will recognize and understand the value of a US dollar. Um, and then, you know, over time, we basically want to move from the simple to the complex. Uh, and I can talk about that more, but uh, that's why we started with currencies. Interesting. Why did you choose a centralized, uh, centralized or fiat collateralized stablecoin over a crypto collateral uh, stablecoin? Yeah, so uh, our model is, uh, again, we think that there's enormous value to having traditional fiat currencies on a blockchain. Um, I, you know, for us, since we are building financial products and will likely be, you know, we're going to be dealing with real estate and fixed income bonds, uh, and you know traditional equities, uh, we know that there's going to need the ability for those securities to issue dividends in fiat currencies. We also know that there's going to be use, there's going to be needs for people to transact with each other uh, in in U.S. dollars. And there's there's countless applications that require uh, fiat equivalents on chain. And so that's why we felt starting with those made the most sense, especially since we're focused on real world assets. Um, we do think you know crypto collateralized. Stablecoins are also a great idea, and we work very closely with MakerDAO, for example, uh, and they plan to use TrueUSD and many of our other asset tokens in the basket of collateral for, for MakerDAO. Oh, that's great. That's great to hear. I love to hear collaboration in the ecosystem. I think we, need, we, we really need that. Um, 
I'd like to speak about the Trust Token platform in a second, but could you first explain to us what the Smart Trust platform is? Sure. So uh, that's essentially, you know, the Trust Token platform breaks down into many different layers. One layer uh, is a legal layer, and this was actually pioneered by our legal counsel, uh, Michael Bland, in collaboration with many of our outside counsels like Wilmer, Hale, and, and Cooley. And really the concept is a fairly straightforward one. It's the idea of taking a legal vehicle, like a trust, um, that's very well understood and you know, has strong legal foundations here in the United States uh, for, for fractional ownership, and then using that in collaboration with a smart contract to distribute fractional ownership of assets. So the way you can think about this is we tokenize a trust, and then whatever assets are held in that trust uh, that are then essentially beneficially owned by the end token holders who, uh, who purchase those, you know, whether they're circulated on the blockchain, et cetera. Uh, and in this way, you have what we call a, a smart trust. Interesting. So that's why it's kind of like a very important layer of the, of the platform when it comes to the tokenization of assets. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Because we, we need you, you need to have a legal right of title and a legal right of ownership to assets. It, you can't just say, you know, I own this and you just trust me. Uh, it actually needs to have a legally enforceable tie. That's very cool. Could you, could you explain the other three layers in the trust token platform, i.e. the trust market, the trust vault, and the trust token? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, I mean, it would take a much longer conversation if you really wanted me to explain it in depth uh, because, you know, we have a 78-page white paper or something of that. It's a great white paper. Yeah, so uh, we, we go into a lot more depth there, so I would recommend anyone that's actually interested in understanding what we're doing that they take the time to read that. Uh, but on a high level, uh, we really break it down into uh, a few buckets, which is, you know, one, there needs to be the technical protocols. So there are a series of APIs and, and trust protocols that we need in order to uh, communicate between the blockchain and also the real-world custodians that are actually holding the assets and managing the assets. Uh, and then we also need legal legal protocols like the smart trust that will actually then tie legal ownership and right of title between uh, token holders and the actual assets. Uh, and then we actually need a system of economic incentive to ensure that when you, as like an investor, purchase an asset token, that what you're buying actually represents the asset uh, in the real world. And so that's really the way you can think about that is the system of underwriting. Um, you know, this is really when you look at like investment banks, when they underwrite an IPO today, or uh, even systems like eBay in e-commerce, they're really systems of reputation and trust. And so on a high level, the trust token protocol is all about how do we create a distributed system of trust uh, so that you know if you're a Chinese investor buying Brazilian real estate that there's actually real estate, there are real assets there. And uh, without getting into too much details, uh, that is what all of our various protocols, they, they solve those core issues. Very cool. So are you running in your own uh, blockchain? Are you, this is your own protocol or are you running in existing uh, protocols? We, we currently run on Ethereum, so all of the tokens we're issuing are ERC-20 compliant tokens. Why did you choose Ethereum over, say, Ripple? 
well, you know, we see the developer ecosystem that has sprung up around Ethereum as by far the most robust. We're not, you know, married to any one blockchain, um, but we will go where the, the market is. And essentially right now, the mind share and also the consumer market share it is all with Ethereum, uh, as well as all the exchange support. So uh, that's why we're building for that protocol. But we have the we're, we're blockchain agnostic in the sense that uh, you know we're, we've talked with Launchain and Aeon, and we likely will have cross-chain protocols so that our asset-backed tokens can exist on multiple blockchains. Um, we we want to be again agnostic provider of the highest quality financial products, uh, regardless of the blockchain. Mm -hmm. That brings me to my next question. For me, being from Venezuela, it's really interesting the potential of stablecoins for developing nations. Um, is that one of your target markets or are you more focused on institutional investors, traders, and targets closer to home? Yeah, so initially we are uh, focused on institutional traders and hedge funds and business, you know, enterprise applications. Um, just because that's where the bulk of the volume is right now, and it's also because uh, we can better, we can more easily meet their needs initially. But our goal is to uh, expand and build out our products so that we can support everything from consumers uh, to to hedge funds and institutional customers. So we don't plan to only focus on one, but we do have a go-to-market strategy that dictates we start uh, institutional before moving towards consumer. Interesting. Um, where are most of your uh, clients coming from? Are they mainly buying in um, through through crypto, or are they on ramping via fiat? Uh, well, so every single true USD that's in existence today um, was purchased using US dollars originally. Um, that being said, you know we have customers now around the world. People are buying true USD in virtually every single currency, whether we're talking about Bitcoin or you know pesos, or uh, you know we're working with an exchange called Bitinka, so we can soon trade through most of South America. Um, so we, uh, you know, we're we see that the the distribution is really taking a life of its own, um, and uh, the majority of our business, meaning the people who are dealing with us directly, uh, tend to be like I said, institutional players. Uh, but once it's you know traded more broadly on exchanges, you know there's people buying small amounts almost everywhere in the world. Um, what are the main exchanges you are listed listed on, and how has the process of being listed in exchanges uh, been? Uh, we've been really humbled, honestly, by the reception. So we've actually done very little uh, work to promote our project, to market it, or to market true USD. We're just starting to think about that now, and we've been so heads down focusing on product and on building our team. Um, and so most of the growth, almost all of the growth has been organic and been based on the demand of the global market. I think the market has been largely disillusioned with Tether and has been hungry for a more trustworthy solution. And so we see it as our job to do absolutely everything we can to earn consumers' trust. And uh, so far, the market has been voting with their wallets. Uh, you know, we've been really happy to see Binance and Bittrex was our earliest adopter. Um, but also now, you know, we're deep in conversation with other exchanges uh, like OKCoin and uh, CoinTiger and XRates and Bitfinex and uh, not Bitfinex, sorry, um, Bitforex. Uh, I should clarify. 
And, uh, and you know, they, a lot of it has been inbound, to be totally honest. Like, uh, we've been fortunate to gain trust, and uh, that's kind of led to a virtuous cycle. That's a great, that's a great story. Um, how do you generate revenue um, at the moment, and what are the plans to generate uh, revenue in the future as you start to tokenize um, certain different assets? Yeah, so our plan for uh, revenue generation really revolves around the uh, service that we're going to offer uh, once we start issuing securities. So right now, we are not actually collecting fees on TrueUSD. We break even on the product. We cover costs, but we do not generate revenue. It's more like we offer it as a service to the broader ecosystem. Um, but once we begin issuing securities, our model will look something like a distributed investment bank in the sense that there will be a fee to, to take your assets or your business uh, to the public markets. And uh, in exchange for that, you have you know, access to our underwriting and our distribution and, and you know, sales and marketing, et cetera. So, so uh, that's, that's really the revenue model that we, you know, we plan to pursue. Does your team have priorities on which uh, assets or securities to tokenize at first? And what's the timeline on that? Yeah, so we're getting all of our uh, regulatory ducks in a row. We want to make sure we have all the proper licensing, uh, both in the United States and abroad. Uh, and so all of that is in process already. Our plan is to begin issuing security tokens uh, in 2019. Uh, and when it comes to which asset classes we're going to start with, um, right now we are receiving a lot of inbound interests from, you know, uh, asset owners around the world, um, large hedge funds with you know large amounts of commercial real estate, to biotech, you know pharmaceutical companies, etc. And so our team is working really hard to vet all of this and decide you know where we want to focus first. Um, we we haven't decided which is going to be our you know our initial go to market. Um, we have a number of options we're considering, uh, but uh, we will announce that when the, when the time's right. Another question: When it comes to KYC and AML. Um, requirements. Um, <clears throat> how is that delaying the onboarding time uh, for trust token uh, clients and potentially even affecting the bottom line? Yeah, so we made a very conscious decision that um, we were going to uh, hold ourselves to the highest standards when it comes to uh, you know KYC and AML or know your customer and anti-money laundering regulations. So we uh, we've definitely made a trade-off in the sense that you know we collect an enormous amount of information when inboarding uh, you know onboarding new users, and it it can take you know two to three days to verify all of their information, and we do a, a broad series of checks, background checks, all of the necessary OFAC checklists and, and blacklists. Um, before we actually verify a user within our web application. Uh, and so, you know, we've been willing to trade off, you know, short-term growth and short-term optimization for what we see as the right long-term decision, which is, you know, remaining a compliant business uh, and, and doing the right thing. So um, it, it's definitely a trade-off and not every project has taken that approach, but we, we think it'll end up being a long-term advantage. Um, Tori, is there any question um, that we perhaps did not cover in this brief interview that you'd like our listeners and readers to, to know? Yeah, I'd say the, the one question that you know, I like to think about a lot is, you know, what, what does the future look like in, in this concept of you know, asset tokenization? Like, what does that unlock? 
Um, for me, I think the most exciting aspect is, is really two things. One is, is access. Um, you know, it's simply the fact that, you know, there are so many assets that are, you know, geographically restricted for, you know, for very arbitrary reasons. Um, you know, I invest the majority of my own money uh, that isn't in crypto in, you know, Vanguard funds, for example, and yet the majority of investors around the world can't access funds like that. Um, even, you know, I take for granted my ease of being able to hold and store U.S. dollars. Uh, so uh, on the simplest level, like the tokenization of these assets will vastly increase the availability and access to investors around the world. Uh, so I think that's very valuable. But the second thing is it creates a whole lot of very interesting use cases around the bundling, the unbundling and then rebundling of assets uh, so that you can start to do things like, you know, uh, you can have very like region specific bundles of real estate. And investors will have the ability using, you know, distributed derivatives platforms like DYDX, for example, to say, uh, to make much more informed investments. Uh, just to give you an example, they could say, like, I want to go, you know, long on, on uh, Detroit, but I want to, you know, short uh, Philadelphia. Don't, don't take that personally, Philadelphia. But uh, you could also do that on, like, a country-based. Country and I think right now you're, you're fairly limited in your ability to do that. But the ease and the liquidity that tokenization provides uh, and the specificity uh, will allow for a really, really much broader access to, um, to various investments. And I think that's a very exciting thing. And I, I use real estate as the example, but we'll see it across all asset classes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. That's a very bright future. Thank you very much, Tori. Frost Token really seems like a really solid team, a really solid project, and I'm excited about the organization's future. And if you want to learn more about Trust Token, just visit their website at trusttoken.com or follow them on Twitter at Trust Token. Thanks so much.